When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later, Ireland's food security acknowledged. A comment on the recent ministerial visit to America to promote Irish agricultural produce. An update on the PG grass-fed Irish beef application to the European Commission. But first, Mr. Brendan Smitty, Dairy Advisor, Chagask, Enoch Griffin, Middleton, has a reminder regarding the BPS application. The most important thing that people do is make an appointment with their advisor or consultant to get their form completed in due time. As I said, there's only a short window left. Um, look, people need, may, may need to make plans around, you know, land areas, entitlements, things like that. So, look, what I would say is make an appointment immediately um, and get your form completed. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, they've arranged their last of the BPS clinic dates. The last one now in Cork is in McCroom at the Castle Hotel Main Street, Sleeveen East, McCroom County, Cork. That's on 4th of May, 4th of May, and it's half nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. And you can go along there and for any final queries, uh, have them sorted out or get some assistance. That's 4th of May, closing date 16th of May for the BPS. And as you're saying there, Brendan, very important, make an appointment as soon as possible. As dairy advisor now, and management of grazing is obviously very important for the dairy sector. So grazing management, any overview on grass supply growth and demand versus supply? Yeah, I suppose, look, grass is important to all sectors, John, and in livestock sectors at the moment. Um, look, and I suppose there's a big variation depending on the part of the county and the regions that we're in this year. Uh, the southern sides are probably seeing, you know, as I say, a lot of dry conditions, maybe as we move further north, a little bit more rain into heavier land, maybe not suffering as much. So, look, I would summarise it, there's probably a variable amount of grass on farms. There are variable grass growth rates on farms, um, you know, and I suppose that's the backstop that we would be, or the starting point that we're looking at at the moment. A um, couple of important things, I suppose, look for people to go out and walk the farm regularly, um, job one, uh, and assess what, what is out there, what, what way are paddocks kind of recovering, um, you know, have we enough grass in the farm, is there enough grass coming back? Matching supply and demand, I suppose, normally at this stage of the year, Grass growth levels would be picking up, um, you know, and I suppose some people call it taking off. But look, as I say, grass growth levels would be increasing and stocking rates would be able to, you know, I suppose, increase accordingly to, to match growth. That one is just probably a little bit slower happening, you know, in the drier parts of the regions at the moment. So, look, regular walking is, is, is the crucial bit from there. Um, 
just kind of coming across maybe some people that had been maybe hesitant to spread nitrogen in recent days because of the dry weather. But no, say, look, we're not suffering any droughts yet. And it will be important to keep nitrogen spread in the system from that point of view to maintain growth rates. Um, look, growths at the moment are probably, you know, somewhere in that 50 to 60 kilos um, of dry matter per hectare kind of is what probably what we're achieving at the moment. Um, you know, so as I say, look, we would expect figures to pick up a small little bit, but as I said, it's just take, 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 taking a, a little while on, on the drier land. So de- demand, supply, how much grass have I there? And look, regular walking and look, we come back and look at a, a silage scenario at the moment, but it's, it's an overall farm plan. I think at this stage is what needs to be done. So, as I say, but just to take the grass on its own, I think we just covered it, covered those few points in there, Chan. Now, Chagas have been recommending to people to be very careful with silage. Try and make the very best quality silage you have because we don't want to have any type of fodder crisis. But people are bearing in mind the changed global circumstances and the situation in Ukraine and Russia and places where we would normally expect to be able to procure an awful lot of grain. And as far as Irish tillage farmers are concerned, there was often a kind of... um, concern that imports were being used to bring down the price of the Irish products. But at this stage, we want to make sure there will be no fodder crisis. So I suppose, Brendan, winter feeding arrangements, have you a winter feeding plan? Have you got an accurate picture of your stocks and estimated consumption by the animals, etc.? So a winter feeding plan, any suggestions? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, it's no different to what I just mentioned there, John, in relation to the, the grazing plan. Look, I suppose there should be a yearly plan for the farm. So you take the grazing plan, you know, as, as being the current scenario. Um, but look, basically, a winter feed budget. Basically, everybody should be looking at having a winter feed budget. Um, and while well, all these budgets, and you know, as I say, some complicated, it's very simple. The first thing to assess is how much silage is left over in the yard, we'll say, with the current winter finished. Um so what silage stocks have we left? Um, what stock are we planning to basically to have on the farm next winter? Uh, in relation to the grazing plan we had there a while ago, how much ground is actually closed up for first cut silage and what will be closed up for second cut silage and how much will that yield and, and, and basically put into the pits? So when we take those in, I suppose at that stage, the, the question is, this is where the, you know we kind of move from basically the, the, the physical figures is, Will we be able to conserve enough silage for the stock we're planning to keep? Um, do you know? Is there adjustments required in the amount of stock that will be wintered, or will will additional fodder need to be will need to be bought in? Um, you know, is there a facility on some farms maybe to close up extra ground for silage? Um, so. Again, while every farm is different, it's you know, and look, again, talk to your advisor. Look, if anybody has any difficulty in this, pick up the phone, talk to their advisor. If they have any any questions, you know, we'd be gladly go to go through with them, you know, in, in terms of getting a plan in place um, for the farms at that stage. And I suppose just going back to the grazing kind of comes in here, John, like, you know, again, while we talk about grazing plans and, you know, you talk about, look, fertilizer prices and things like that at this stage, yeah, I know there has been a number of clover events um, held recently around the country. Um, look, it is, you know, the time of year that if we want to incorporate clover into grassland, you know, in terms of looking at a potential to reduce fertiliser usage going forward, and now is the time to do it. So, again, for people, you know, to, to, I suppose, look, to get involved in the process um, is one side of it. 
selecting maybe suitable paddocks, um, you know, basically managing a grazing plan around how they're actually going to incorporate the clover into these paddocks if there's oversowing and in receding, obviously the clover will win at that stage. So again, it's probably overlaps between the silage and the grazing, but uh, as I say, um, it, it, look again, it's called planning for the future, I suppose, look in terms of being able to maybe kind of potentially reduce fertiliser usage in, in, you know, in, in the years ahead. The red clover, I suppose, is, is in a silage situation and we're looking at the white clovers going into the grazing scenario. So to, you know, to just be aware that, um, as I said, we have two different systems happening there. Um, but again, look at the say clover seed. Look as I say again. Talk to your supplier. Talk to your advisor. Look at again in any doubt. As I say, the number of events ha- have been held for people. Looked at around the social media threads. Look there, maybe uh, you know some of the recordings of some of the events are up there on the Chagas website and things like that. But look, the easy point of contact and all, or the easy information source and all these is pick up the phone and ring your advisor. Look, and we'd be gladly actually take you through, you know, the, the, the requirements and the necessities and maybe the the, 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 the things to do, as well as the proper things to do on some of these things at that stage in terms of trying to get a success. Speaking to Sir Brendan Smitty, Dairy Advisor, Chagas, not Griffin, Middleton in County Cork, thinking about the next generation of uh, cows and livestock, a breeding plan. You have some comments, I understand, to make regarding a breeding plan, starting date, and other aspects of a successful breeding plan. Yeah. I suppose, look, and again, look, given, I suppose, that the catchment area, uh, you know, that that, that, that we're picking up, we have some people maybe that would have started breeding, you know, a number of weeks ago, um, you know, if we just take the spring portion of the, you know, leaving aside the winter, the, the winter calvers, but within the spring scenario, some people would have started a couple of weeks ago, and we've people looked at maybe won't be starting for another week. So again, um, look, some people have done pre-breeding scans, and some haven't. Um, so I suppose, look, what are the important things? Again, look, once once we start breeding, look, focus needs to be kind of, I suppose, you know put on, on, on the job ahead, which is basically trying to submit, kind of, look, as I say, the maximum number of cows, look, and the targets that are, I suppose, put out there is maybe trying to submit 90% of the herd in three weeks. Um, and in simple terms, you know, that's 30% a week. So if we have a 100 cow herd, we would be hoping to, to breed something in the order of 90 cows in three weeks, and that's 30 cows per week, you know. So I suppose, look, within the, the week status, are we, are we hitting those targets? Are we not picking up that number of cows? If we're only picking up 10 or 15 cows, is there something happening on the farm? So, again, you know, as I say, is it heat detection, um, activity, weather? Look, there's a number of factors, obviously, where people have, you know, have the number of lake having cows. They're obviously, you know, we're, we're going to struggle and not going to achieve that 90%. So, I suppose it, it's, again, it's like all things, having a plan, what am I actually going to, you know, what, what do I need to achieve, I suppose, to, to reach these high efficiency levels? And look, they would be the, the, the simple figures coming in from there. Again, I suppose, from the point of view of AI and technician service, obviously, look, you know, that arrangements have probably been put in place at this stage. The biggest one, I suppose, is for people that are using maybe sex semen or fixed time AI, that they have a discussion with their technicians, you know, about being able to time these things right, you know, to take the pressure off both sides and, and look, being, being able to give due time to the job and its requirements from there. Underlying all of this, we have the safety factor. But when we look at bulls, for example... Some farms have already left off bulls. Maybe they, they won't be using, uh, you know, any or maybe a small amount of AI and have left off a number of bulls. Some people, look, will have teaser bulls and some people, it might be another week or two or whatever before bulls kind of are left off of the herd. So, no, as the points you made there, John, look, as I say, you know... It, 
basically their animals, you know, that, 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 that just need, I suppose, to just need, can't be trusted, you know, and just kind of keep keep watching yourself. Look, again, the other issues that I would see around farmyards and things like that is, again, even, for, you know, something as simple people without maybe automated drafting systems, you know, where they're drafting out cows for AI and things like that, you know, and again, have systems that are basically that are robust and safe that you don't you know get stand to be pushed out of the way while you're trying to select out cows out of a group or something like that so look there are many look there's a lot happening you know that you'll be trying to select out a number of animals in any one day um so again look again just give it the time just beware where there's animals involved there's always going to be a danger involved um you know so again as i said just be careful i suppose you know is the word that's there Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Brendan Smitty, Chagask Dairy Advisor at the Knock Griffin Middleson County Cork office. Thank you, Brendan, very much indeed. That's grand, John. Thank you. ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, National Sheep Chairperson, Mr. Sean McNamara, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Sean, welcome to the programme. Now, in recent days, we've seen wide publicity of the major drive in North America and Mexico by ministers from Ireland to promote beef, lamb and other aspects of our international trade. What's your response to this very high-profile visit to promote Irish agriculture and trade in general? Well, the way I look at access to the US market will be a worthwhile process if it puts more money in farm family pockets. I'm very sceptical about open. We've seen a lot of uh, new markets there and uh, there's no more money in the farmers' pockets. Where do you see the future of livestock? We're told there's going to be a strict licensing system brought in by the European Union. So what would you like to see done and what do you think is the future for Irish beef? And, you know, will we always have to at least try to market stuff internationally? I'd be looking at the way I'd be looking at the future for the Irish beef at the moment is that, and Nam would say, is that uh, farmers will get rewarded for their work uh, for the grass of beef with the best beef and best lamb in the world produced. But the only problem is farmers are not getting an equal, equal return of the market share. I'd like to see that uh, farmers would at least uh, make a living out of it. After all, our forefathers made a living out of farming. And at the moment, with the price of inputs, no farmer can make a sustainable living out of farming anymore, either beef or lamb. And that's the way I'd be looking at it. And if, we, if we're not able to do it, this will be a country for farmers. If we don't do it this year, uh, it'll be poor lookout for both the beef and lamb in the next few years. Now, whereas the beef people are trying to market Ireland under this grass-fed Irish beef status, already any neutral, fair observer would say the diet of Irish sheep, that Irish sheep are literally organic, that the diet of Irish sheep, the way they're reared on mountainsides, etc., and uh, on various uh, types of uh, terrain, I think there is a market there to be developed for sheep as organic produce from the island of Ireland, north and south of the border. I agree with you fully. There's, there's great markets out there. I'll give you one example. There's Korea out there. There's a market there. There's 50 million people, and they're crying out for food. And there would no problem buying organic beef or lamb from Ireland. And at the moment in Korea, if you want to buy a kilo of beef or lamb, it's 50 euros a kilo. So there's a fierce market. There's no one to get into it. Another one is for the lamb. It's the Emirates. It's a great market for lambs, and uh, we need to get But the only thing is, will we have enough of lambs, lambs for all these markets? That's the only problem. Now, on Thursday, 5th of May, at the Department of Agriculture, 
back western campus in Selbridge, Kildare, there's going to be a major discussion, there's going to be a seminar regarding ensuring fair trading in the agri-food supply chain. And that concept, the concept of either a food ombudsman or some regulations which will make sure that the raw material, the people who produce the primary product, are not fleeced. Do you think that's something that could work at at last? We'll have a fair distribution of the profits under this new regulation of ensuring fair trading in the agri-food supply chain. Yeah, the only way I can see it working is if there's a meat regulator. Like, if you have have food ombudsman, he covers everything from bananas to everything else. So, uh, the big thing I'd be looking for is the meat regulator, because if you have a meat regulator, he look into it, and it should help. It would probably help farmers to get a fair share of the market return. That's the way I'd look at As regards the importation of lamb, and do you feel that ought to be looked at more closely, and we should be able to at least get fair treatment and not have um, opposition from imported lamb, which seems to get precedence on many occasions? Well, definitely it gets freezing as many cases. The way I look at that is that we have no problem with lamb import if there's a fair price paid for the Irish lamb. But the biggest problem is that the factories come along and they'll import, we we'll say one week they'll import 10 or 12,000 lambs just to bring down the Irish price and give the Irish farmers less. We we cannot stand for that. That's the way I look at it. And we won't stand for it. Like, after all, they're putting Irish farmers out of, out of production where they're going on. A lot of farmers are, are saying, we've enough of this, we're not going to continue on. And it'll be, It'll be detrimental to the factories in the long run because the simple reason farmers cannot produce anything under the cost of production, that's, that's the biggest problem. Now, your colleague, Mr. Edmund Graham there, he's the ICSA Beef Committee Chairman. He, in common with nearly every organisation and company, but we're looking at the farm enterprises, the whole concept of rocketing farm costs can anything be done? We know in some cases tillage farmers are being made more aware of how red clover, particularly red clover, can fix natural nitrogen in the soil. But what can be done to try and stem rocketing farm costs? There's not a lot to be, can, can be done, but farmers need to be educated on how they can uh, use something else in the place of fertiliser. Like we're all to it at the moment, we don't know what to do. We have no education, like most of us farm, we have no education on what way we can grow extra grass and everything without fertiliser. That's the big thing. We need We need someone that's able to train it, like someone from Chagas or someone that's able to train us into how to do it. That's the way I look at it. It's a big problem in input costs. Well, the diesel, probably there could be something, the government could do something on that. But I think there's a monopoly out there because the simple reason is the diesel fell uh, 20% in the last six weeks, that barrel of diesel. And it hasn't come down at the pump, so it'll come down anywhere. So I think there's a monopoly going on at that at the moment. Edmund Graham, in looking at the beef sector, he also looks to your sector and he points out that you've pointed, that you've said, Mr. Sean McNamara, ICSA Sheep Chairman, you've hit out of the lack of concern for sheep farmers. And to quote your reported comments, it's incredible to think that lamb price has fallen below the equivalent levels for 2021 over the past six weeks. And further quoting you, he says that we have seen lamb prices in late March and April anywhere from 25 cents a kg to 50 cents a kg back on last year. And you say this is incredible in the context of escalating costs. And you give an example of this. You point out of how little buying power sheep farmers now have, unfortunately. You say last year... 
two lambs at 160 euro a head would have uh, bought 1.16 tonnes of 27% nitrogen. This year, it would take seven lambs to buy the same amount that two lambs would have bought last year. So, and uh, some people say this is worse than Brexit ever would have been. Definitely, it's a lot worse than Brexit ever been because the simple reason is um, the fact is are just like meat has gone up in the supermarkets, it's gone up everywhere, and it's going back. And the fact is, it doesn't like the whole thing doesn't add up. Like you know what I mean? Supermarkets, it's gone up everywhere. It's gone up, and it's coming back. And the fact is, uh, input costs. I don't know what farmers are going to do about them, but it means that farmers will have to cut back on the amount of stock to keep and 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 try and and, and do with less fertilizer and so on. That's all they can do at the moment. Try and and all things like single farm payment, as we call it. When it came out first, it was worth. 20 times as much as worth now. So it's nearly worth nothing now. It's gone to the stage that's nearly worth nothing to the farmers at the moment. And it's only a small thing, but uh, again, an ICSA statement points out that a wheel, a simple thing like a wheel for a wheelbarrow, is now 45 euro compared yeah. to 15 euro 18 months ago. But the sheep sector, in the light of uh, all of this promotion in North America, you're saying that will amount to very little if the sheep farmers can't cover their costs and make a modest uh, profit that will enable them live on. Yeah, well, the modest profit is that um, farmers need 10 euro a kilo. At 8 euros a kilo, uh, farmers are in negative negative equity. So uh, they need 10 euros a kilo to just to make a small margin, and I mean a small margin, about 20 euros a head uh, when you take all the costs into in consideration. Like I do it on my own farm, and I was just made it out, call, I took diesel, everything, the cost of traveling and so on and that's why I worked that out at that at ten euros together you're just getting about about uh, twenty euros a lamb, which isn't a lot in the day's world. Thank you, Sean, very much indeed. Mr. Sean McNamara, ICSA National Sheep Chairperson. Thank you, Sean. And we hope that um, the Minister will you know get feedback from your comments and take action. Thank you, Sean, very much indeed. Thanks a lot. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Fellam O'Neill international market specialist. Felm, welcome to the programme. Now, we've been watching closely and you've been guiding us along with the updates regarding UK potential opposition to special designation being granted for Irish grass-fed beef. What's the update on that as, as we speak? Hello, John. Uh, yeah, the uh, this is, is quite a long story, so it's probably better go back to the start on it and uh, please bear with me. It'll take a little while. Um, a PGI uh, application for Irish grass-fed beef, um, there was a discussion on it uh, most, uh, two years ago now, very much throughout 2020, uh, when Board Bia ha- consulted and got industry agreement eventually on uh, making an application for Irish grass-fed beef, a PGI application. Uh, and that is basically, PGI is a, it's an EU term, it's given to product that uh, can be associated geographically uh, with a, an individual area, and uh, in the case of Ireland, we managed to get the whole lot included uh, for beef. So, um, that was made, and at that point then, Northern Ireland would have expressed an interest and had always had an interest in joining it. But uh, the decision was taken anyway to go ahead in the autumn of 2020 with an application that applied to the Republic of Ireland only. 
And uh, the following May, then May 2021, just around this time last year, uh, there came a reply back from the Commission uh, suggesting that if they uh, wanted to be involved in it, uh, what they would need to do is actually to register what's called an opposition procedure. Uh, now, I, they would have used the term, it's a non-confrontational process, despite the fact that it sounds quite con- confrontational. Uh, so that was done, uh, that was uh, when, whenever it went out to consultation then uh, in the earlier part of the start of this year, uh, that process was triggered. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. ...by the UK, in fact, uh, at the beginning of March. And uh, what that means then is that the, the process now really has to go on pause... Uh, whilst the EU get involved along with the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland uh, to discuss how this might go forward, how Northern Ireland might be incorporated into it. Now, if we rewind back again to when the original application was made, there was a suggestion at that time that perhaps the the process should be paused whilst uh, the North was brought on board and all go in together. Uh, That had been certainly the Northern view on it. Uh, However, the view in the Irish government was, no, look, we'll go ahead now and we will vote Northern Ireland on later. Uh, The difficulty is it's not just simply a case of extending it uh, without... Uh, any major procedure, it's effectively a new application uh, to extend it. And that's where we are now, essentially, that we've had to pause the original process and they will be going forward with the joint one. Now, this is one where actually uh, there's been a very high level of goodwill either side of the border on it, 
uh, and uh, at a political level and at officials level and it's something that maybe when we look back and with the great benefit of the hindsight we possibly should have uh, uh, these difficulties should have been anticipated and maybe uh, dealt with differ- differently but I, I've just written a little bit for a website on it uh, today uh, look I, I think we'll get to the end all right uh, the thing is we have just we're taking the scenic route to get there as opposed to the direct motorway route if you know what I mean and the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, the Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, he refers to the opposition document by the UK, and he seems to take a very benevolent um, view. He says, following the government's scrutiny of a submission by the UK to the EU slash third country opposition, he calls this a reasoned statement of opposition. So as you said there, there is goodwill to enable a successful outcome. Yeah, I suppose any time we hear the word opposition used, we immediately think of confrontation, uh, and, uh, and and perhaps even the Doyle uh, sets the scene for that. Uh, but in this case, uh, whilst that is the official term that is, again, in the EU Commission's own letter, they, they were uh, keen to emphasise that it was uh, non-confrontational. So, uh, you know, I think it has to be seen to in that context. Now, that's not to say that, uh, you know, uh, time has been lost along the way here. The the process has been slower than it might have been if we had got all our ducks properly lined up in a row before the start. But again, there's not much point looking back at that now. We, we're not going to get that time back again anyway. So uh, I think what we'll have to look towards then is getting uh, the process completed. And, and the thinking is that that should be achieved by the end of this year. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, 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 the real work only starts then, John, whenever the PGA is in place, because that means we do then have an official brand for Irish beef from the island of Ireland. Uh, but then you have to go and get the value built into that brand. And that's not an overnight process by any means. You know, we, we think of it as the best in the world and we think it's great and it is great. Uh, but the reality is we have to then get out and, and tell the world that. And not just tell the world, but persuade the, the buyers of the world that this is actually a premium product that's worth a premium price, uh, meaning that a bit more gets back to our farmers. Now, as I say, that's when the real work really kicks in. And of course, with all the talk of a licensing system for livestock being brought in as part of the cap reform, well then, to have a smaller quantity of greater value quality over quantity would be an excellent development for the Irish beef sector because if we have uh, delegations going abroad to North America, as is the case at the moment, uh, two ministers out there trying to promote Irish beef and uh, other products from this uh, island, well, it would be great, of course, to have that official designation where we could distinguish ourselves from possibly Brazilian beef or other types of beef being produced, which to the consumer just looks all the same but we could call ours grass-fed Irish beef. Yeah, absolutely, and we could also put public money or government money behind it. Uh, just to touch briefly on there, you mentioned about the uh, the ministers being in the United States this week. There, you know, there is a positive story out of that as well in that they have got uh, final clearance for factories that they can apply to get lamb licensed uh, to deliver to the United States. So that is uh, the opening of another market, which has to be good news for our sheep farmers as well. But, um, you know, and, and, and in terms of building the brand, uh, the United States, I'll just stay with that example for the minute, you know, that is where our Kerrygold butter brand has performed particularly well. Now, of course, Kerrygold uh, uh, butter brand, it's been around for decades at this stage. Uh, overnight, it, it didn't get overnight success either, but it is now a well-established premium brand. 
And I think that's what we have to be trying to think about. Uh, but again, not to be thinking that it will be easy or that we will get there. There's no guarantees in this, John. The reality is we have to get it approved first and foremost, and then we try to see what we can make of it. With all the turmoil on the European continent, we would hope that the whole issue of the protocols won't be swept away or covered up or forgotten about or negated by a UK Act of Parliament just saying the protocols don't apply or the contentious parts don't apply. But even though we are not directly talking about the protocols, they are an important uh, trading link between uh, the two nations, the UK and Ireland. No no doubt, John, of course, the... You know, uh, Brexit is something that has dominated the airways for a very long time. It probably got pushed to the one side a, a bit by the pandemic, first and foremost, and now the terrible events in Ukraine and the, and the Russian invasion there has uh, nearly squeezed it off the news completely. But look, it's an ongoing issue. Uh, it does reappear from time to time. It's very much uh, silent at the moment. Uh, because there's an election campaign, there's elections to the Northern Ireland Assembly taking place on the 9th of May, so uh, it has it has kind of got pushed back uh, uh, off the news or off the debate at that stage. But it's still there, there's still issues that have to be resolved. The only hope, I suppose, that we can have is that, look, it's something that has been rumbling on for a prolonged period of time, and whilst it does get some political debate, the reality is that trade is managing to continue as normal, uh, with exceptions and with extensions, etc. So, uh, you know, let, let's hope that that continues, because the alternative uh, really isn't something that we would want to contemplate. The ICMSA, the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, their president, Pat McCormack, notes the very active Polish government has been able to secure approval for 836 million euro of a subsidy under a state aid temporary crisis framework. Do you feel Ireland might benefit in some way, bearing in mind the tremendous uh, increasing costs of everything, not least fertiliser? Yeah, the, the, the EU put a policy in place there a few weeks ago whereby they would relax state aid rules. Uh, and what that means basically is they've went into the uh, contingency reserve fund, uh, the margin reserve fund, uh, they've released some monies out of it, and they have cleared then that national governments can add uh, twice that amount to it. Uh, now, that has to come from national treasury funds or national exchequer funds, and uh, some governments perhaps are maybe more willing to dip into that uh, pool of money than others, and uh, it's certainly something that, that I know in the Irish context have been looked at in, the, in relation to the pig sector, uh, but as of yet, we have had uh, we have had no, and and of course we've also had the the tillage scheme uh, identified as a, as a target for support to to uh, increase fodder output there. So look, uh, you know, the, the Poland has had taken an an exceptional approach and and uh, assisted with the fertilizer production. But this is an area where the EU has very much delegated, if you like, responsibility to member state governments to make their own decisions for what works best for their own farmers in their own area. Uh, and uh, so far, Ireland hasn't matched Poland yet, as uh, uh, Pat McCormick has identified. Uh, and uh, no doubt, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of farmers that's listening into the show uh, would be very much of the view uh, in agreement with them that uh, some, some government support for fertiliser would be very welcome. To sum up on a very positive note, speaking to Mr Phelim O'Neill with your Industry Insight article in the journal recently, Ireland leads world in food security, and you give a massive amount of detail to back up that statement from GFSI, the 
Global Food Security Index. So a word or two about Ireland leading the world in food security, and we do need assurance from any quarter we can receive it. Yes, John, um, that's true. Yeah, no, that, that index, it looks at a basket of measures on it. Uh, one of them, of course, is the affordability, which maybe from a farming point of view isn't exactly what we want to hear. But, uh, look, the reality is that we are in a position, thankfully, in Ireland, that we uh, supply uh, food that, that we export 90% of what we produce. So uh, uh, we feed nine times more people than, than uh, abroad than we do at home. Uh, I think that is evidence of what our farmers and the capability and productivity of our farmers is across the, the sectors. Um, and it does mean, of course, that then, you know, and, and food security is now an issue in many parts of the world and the, certainly countries that are dependent on Russia and Ukraine for grain, thinking of the North African countries, like they, they are looking at a very bleak picture in the weeks and months ahead. And it's something uh, that in an Irish context, we definitely have plenty of issues and plenty of problems, but they're not on that scale uh, that we are identified as the country in the in the world that has the safest, most secure food supply. So uh, it is uh, something, I think, to be proud of, something that hasn't happened by accident, because, again, if we look back in history, it wasn't always that way. And, uh, you know, it, it is fantastic that we are in that position today. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip O'Neill, International Market Specialist, working on behalf of the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much for taking our call, Philip, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you if there are any major developments in that very important uh, task we have to try and secure the special designation for Irish grass-fed beef. Philip, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Miss Ashling Meehan, agricultural solicitor and also legal and tax expert. Now, you are involved with mentoring, which gives support to farm families. I've been involved on the steering committee of a programme known as Encircle, and it's an extension of the charity Embrace Farm, which a lot of your listeners should be aware of. Um, Embrace Farm was established in 2014 by Brian and Norma Rowan um, following the death of Brian's father, Liam, um, on the family farm in Leash. And um, I've been involved with Embrace Farm for a good number of years and they support, I suppose, families that have been affected by farm accidents, be it through a fatality or through, even though something might happen, that farming doesn't stop overnight and that the farm still has to continue going. So it's very different from other family businesses and um, so the special circumstances and for that reason I suppose Brian and Norma felt after their loss that they were a little isolated in that they didn't have a great support network around them that really understood farming and understood what was left I suppose for them to deal with when they suffered that farm accident be it trying to deal with solicitors or trying to deal with the Department of Agriculture, um, accountants etc. So not only, I suppose, have they come in in terms of providing emotional support, um, but now they've launched this new programme through funding through the Department of Agriculture and European funding, whereby they're providing a mentoring programme so that if a person suffers a bereavement and when they feel ready, I suppose, to talk about it, that they can make contact with Embrace Farm, who will put them in touch with, you know, an initial contact um, who will kind of manage the case and then depending on that family's needs and circumstances, we'll put them in touch with re- relevant professionals, be that it could be, you know, counselling, uh, it could be financial advisor, succession planner, solicitor, and all these people would have 
good relevant experience in farming so should know the ins and outs and the different options that are available to them. My area of expertise is agriculture. I'm a solicitor and a chartered tax advisor qualified uh, but I specialise solely in agriculture so I just work for farmers. I don't work for anybody else um, and I have an office here in, in County Clare. Um, that said, uh, there is a panel of solicitors available through the Encircle programme um, the programme has just launched um, so that uh, there will be, uh, you know, I, I suppose I was on the steering committee initially um, as the legal representative, but since then there's been a number of other solicitors have been recruited uh, to be available to give uh, um, advice and options if necessary. You're absolutely correct in what you say in terms of having a will and, you know, in doing succession planning, it's, it's very important. Now, the organisation, the programme you're talking about there, there are several organisations, Ashling, speaking to Ms. Ashling Mean, agricultural solicitor and also legal and tax expert in agricultural matters. There are several other very prominent organisations with representatives involved in this Embrace Encircle Farm programme. Yeah, of course. Um, Embrace Farm, I suppose... It, it was in response to a call for proposals from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marines call under what's called Farm Safety, Health and Wellbeing Initiative of the European Innovative Partnerships. And Embrace Farm then, they were awarded funding to develop a pilot programme. Uh, so they just joined forces with IFAC, um, who's a well-recognised um, account, agricultural accountancy body, um, the agricultural, we say I would be legal representative, then you have the Agricultural Consultants Association, which is the governing body of the independent agricultural consultants up and down the country, who again we're very familiar with, uh, Rural Support, uh, who are based in the north, and the HSE National Office of Suicide Prevention um, are also involved. So we've had several meetings, I suppose, as I mentioned, I'm on the steering committee. So representatives from each of those different bodies um, have been on that steering committee to ensure that, I suppose, all the different aspects of farming are covered. And I suppose that highlights, again, the nature of farming. It's not like your typical family farm in, because, you know, you need accountancy, you need specialist agri, you need agricultural consultants because or taggish advisors because I suppose the nature of it with the different schemes that are they're involved in subsidies and a lot of the profit now in farming comes for those and making sure you don't fall foul of them. Um, and then, as I said, just to, the, on the softer skills then, um, there's psychologists, psychotherapists available. Um, and as I said, there's, there's training available then um, and guidance available from the National Office of Suicide Prevention. Uh, so there's huge expertise um, have come together to try and develop this pilot program. And like as I said, it's 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 we're it's the start of it. Um, saying that a similar program has been rolled out in Northern Ireland and has been in operation for a good number of years. So we've had lots of learnings from how they've got on. Thank you very much, Need Ashling, Miss Ashling Mean, agricultural solicitor involved with the Embrace and now. Encircle Farm Support Programme for people whose um, families have sustained injuries or perhaps uh, been involved in a fatal farm accident. Thank you, Ashling, very much indeed. Thank you. For listeners wishing to find out more about the Encircle Farm and Embrace Farm programmes I've been talking about with Ashling Mean, solicitor, the following phone numbers or website may be of interest. First of all, phone numbers... 057 or alternatively 085 
double seven zero double nine double six and those numbers again zero five seven eight five one zero treble five or zero eight five double seven zero double nine double six or the website www dot embrace farm e m b r a c e f a r m one word lowercase dot com all lowercase the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, has reminded farmers that the deadline for submitting their 2022 BPS Basic Payment Scheme applications online is midnight, Monday 16th of May. This is also the deadline for our latest submissions applications for Transfer of Entitlements, Young Farmer, National Reserve, Strong Corporation Measure, Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme, Protein Aid Scheme. The crops declared on the 2022 BPS scheme will also determine eligibility for the Tillage Incentive Scheme and the Protein Crops Scheme. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has been helping farmers to make their applications in recent weeks through its in-person BPS clinics at various locations around the country. The remaining Cork one is in McCroom, that's at Castle Hotel, Main Street, Slevine East, McCroom, Cork, on 4th of May, from 9.30am to 3pm. Farmers may also contact the Direct Payments Help Desk on the following phone number, 57 The lines will be open for extended hours in the run-up to the application deadline. As follows... Between 9.15am and 9pm, from Monday 9th of May to Friday 13th of May inclusive. Between 9.30am and 5pm on Saturday 14th and Sunday 15th of May. Between 9.15am and 12 midnight on Monday 16th of May. Minister McConnell is now urging all farmers to please lodge their applications as soon as possible well before the 16th of May deadline. Should any farmer require guidance in making their application, they should attend a BPS clinic or ring the department's help desk at the time set out earlier. The remaining Cork information session for BPS applicants will be in McCroom at the Castle Hotel, Main Street, Slevian East, McCroom, 4th of May, 9.30am to 3pm. West Cork-based Carberry Group, which employs almost 900 people, has reported a positive performance for 2021, with revenue growth of 17%. After the disruption caused by COVID in 2020, revenues increased to 535.7 million euro across the Carberry Group. 612 million litres of milk were processed at the company's Bellanine site, supplied by 1,000 215 farmer shareholders. Despite an increase in production, there was a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions of 4.12% and a reduction of water use by 17%. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marines announced that the legal requirement to confine or house poultry and other birds as a precautionary measure against avian influenza, bird flu, was lifted on 29th of April 2022. 
Antonisha Liafaratkar, along with Fine Gael ministers and other members of the Parliamentary Party, will be in attendance at the party's full-day conference on agriculture and rural development, planned for May 7th at Tullamore Court Hotel. The intent of the conference is to provide a platform for members to engage on the big issues facing rural Ireland and farming, and this conference will be an opportunity to influence the direction of the Fine Gael party policy, has been pointed out. There will be a number of sessions throughout the full-day conference on May 7th where members of the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party will discuss the issues of the day facing rural communities and the agricultural sector, with industry experts being present. The Fine Gael Agricultural, Food and Rural Development Forum will also hold its AGM on the day with the election of new officers. And that's the Fine Gael full-day conference on agriculture and rural development planned for the Tullamore Court Hotel on May the 7th. A number of Cork coastal communities are to benefit from an allocation of €4,815,000 for public marine infrastructure upgrading. The locations to benefit include Ballycotton, Court McSherry, Baltimore, Palace Pier, Turk Head, as well as Green Key Yall, Kinsale, Glengariff, Glandorp and Hare Island. The €4,815,058 is part of an overall allocation announced by the Minister of Agriculture of €32.7 million in funding for 110 projects around the Irish coast. The scheme is proposed for funding under the European Union's Brexit Adjustment Reserve that's Farm Talk. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for contributing again this week. Special thanks, of course, to you, the listener, for tuning in. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.